Welcome to the online sermons at King Street Church. Feel free to listen or watch online at kingstreetchurch.com. We're located at 162 East King Street in the heart of Chambersburg, PA, and would love to see you in person at one of our five Sunday services at 8.15, 9.45, or 11 a.m. We certainly hope you enjoy this morning's message. Well, I want to thank you for being a church family that engages and blesses our community with the gospel. And I want to thank you for being a church family that engages and blesses other communities with the gospel. Uh, last week, if you were here, you know that uh, we received an offering for those that were uh, affected by Hurricane Harvey. We have a special, unique relationship with Dr. John Bukema, pastor of Cypress Bible Church in Houston. Dr. John was the pastor here for eight years um, prior to my coming and is now there. And uh, so we just put the call out to help. And as Adam, who, by the way, is our head elder, I don't know if you for sure knew that, but uh, as Adam mentioned in his prayer, $106,500 came in <laughs> as of Thursday. Oh, that's unreal. Wow. What an outpouring, oh my goodness, of generous and sacrificial giving. Over $100,000 given to help those in need. I think about Acts chapter 2 and how the church comes together. Oh, oh my goodness, sorry. You got my back. Who needs these microphones, right? Oh, good night. Thank you. Sorry about that. The sound guys are like, oh, no, put the mic on, man. <laughs> so, as I was saying, uh, I was just blown away. Over 100,000. Dr. John, pastor's there, and uh, he sent a thank you. I want you, to, I want you to see what John had to say to us. Hello, King Street Church. John Bukema here, just wanting to share with you my deep, deep gratitude for how you have blessed us as a church. Uh, what I'm standing uh, out beside is our offices and uh, chapel building, which was uh, devastated by the flood. Behind me is much of the office furniture that hasn't already been uh, carted away, and a dumpster even farther behind me somewhere with, filled with drywall. I don't know how many dumpsters we've filled up over the last couple of weeks, but uh, uh, we are just so grateful for what you have done. It's been a blessing to us just to hear from you and to uh, hear of your concern and see the uh, evidence of, of uh, God's grace at work in your hearts toward us. Uh, this is just a small sample of the devastation that's happened uh, to those that we know and love and to our community, people that we don't know uh, as of yet. And um, we, we're struggling to just comprehend the the devastation and meanwhile it's now a beautiful day and we haven't had any rain in in 10 days and and things look normal except where you see uh, piles of debris along the road and and uh, where, you, where you see houses homes that were were gutted um, we have families in our church who who lost a lot and uh, that loss is, is keenly felt because they didn't have flood insurance. They didn't live in a floodplain, so they, there was no need for insurance, they felt. Or some that did live in a flooded area just couldn't afford it because it was 
so high, but uh, your gifts and, and others like them will go to alleviate some of that, that, that pain, that loss that they've experienced. And, and I, I just can't, words can't express the mm. amount of, of gratitude that, that I feel, overwhelmed with emotion that um, uh, here you've given so much to people that you don't know well, other than uh, me and Amy, uh, people that you don't know. And uh, we just thank God for you and uh, just pray for his blessing in your life as well. Right on. <clears throat> Amen. Yep. <clears throat> I, uh, I love that we can uh, work with Cypress Bible in this way, knowing that 100% of what has been given is going directly into their benevolent fund. By the way, we'll send the check out this week, so if you want to give today, feel free to do that, and uh, we'll just pool all the resources and send a check this week. But to know that they are going to use this to bless that community and those in need with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we, let's be praying and believing that God is going to use uh, this help and what the church is doing to really truly bring transformation in the name of Christ to that community. So praise be to God for that. Transformation. We continue uh, our journey this year exploring this topic through the lens of these three core values, spiritually alive in Christ, relationally connected by Christ, and missionally engaged for Christ. And these last couple of weeks, uh, Pastor Don Baker has preached uh, a few sermons on what it means to be missionally engaged. And uh, we're turning our attention today back to this core value of being spiritually alive in Christ. And I want to underline the word spirit. Because that lies at the root of what it means to be spiritual, to be spiritually alive. This is a work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That God's Spirit, when we are spiritual, it's not that we're just spirited or excited. This is truly the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And to use this phrase, catching the wind of the Spirit. The Bible describes the Holy Spirit like a rushing wind, as we've been singing about already this morning. A rushing wind blowing into our lives. And uh, Jesus talked about the Spirit being like the wind. You can't see where it's coming from or where it's going, but you feel its effects. Catching the wind of the Spirit. And I want to use these three metaphors just as we kind of get into this topic of a raft, a rowboat, and a sailboat. You think about a raft. If you're on a raft, you're just caught in the currents. And those currents take you, you know, kind of wherever they go. There's not any real direction. It's just kind of floating along. And I think there are some that view and have this perception of the Holy Spirit kind of like that, you know, a little random and uncontrollable. I don't quite get it. There's not a lot of order to it, that kind of idea. Then the idea of a rowboat. Well, a rowboat is all your work, right? It's you putting your back into it. And I honestly think that so many believers are kind of right there along the lines of a rowboat, where they believe that what they do is, is what's going to get it done. In fact, I think that's in many ways, the problem that we experience in the church. 
There's a book that I've been reading called Catching the Wind of the Spirit by a Krishna Missionary Alliance pastor up in Toronto, Sundar Krishnan. He wrote this book, and I was very struck when he made this observation. He said, in a survey a few years back, Christian researcher George Barna found that there are, there are an estimated 45 million individuals in North America who claim to be born again based on two convictions. They believe that a personal commitment to Jesus Christ is important, and they believe they are going to heaven because they've confessed their sins and received Him as Savior. Fundamental biblical truths. In other words, they have satisfied what they believe are heaven's minimum entrance requirements. But Barna's survey also found that the lifestyles and values of a majority, about 66%, two-thirds, of these born-again individuals are really not much different from those who claim no faith at all. Did you catch that? That two-thirds of those surveyed who understand and believe that they are born again in Christ Jesus, two-thirds of those are living in such a way that there is no noticeable difference as opposed to those who don't profess faith. He says, God is calling us beyond this false notion that there is, quote, a minimum entrance requirement that is sufficient to get us into heaven and exploring how each one of us can move effectively from the new birth to spiritual maturity, which is nothing less than being conformed to the image of Christ. I talk about the raft, the rowboat. It's, it's all on our strength and our power versus the sailboat. And the key to a sailboat is that you hoist the sails and you position them in such a way that it is a cooperative effort between the wind and what you're doing to position yourself to catch the wind. And I believe that's what we are after in the church, that what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. This book that we're going to be working together collectively as a church, Forgotten God, subtitled, Rediscovering the Person of the Holy Spirit. Listen to what Francis Chan says. From my perspective, the Holy Spirit is tragically neglected and for all practical purposes, forgotten. It's the rowboat. I'm willing to bet there are millions of churchgoers across America who cannot confidently say they have experienced His presence or action in their lives over the past year. Robo. That for a year, in the past year, they can say that, that they haven't sensed the Holy Spirit blowing and moving and directing and acting in any significant way in the last year. And many of them do not believe they can. Wow. A.W. Tozer also a, a CMA pastor, said this many years ago, actually, but still true, I believe, today. He said, we may as well face it. The whole level of spirituality among us is low. We've measured ourselves by ourselves until the incentive to seek 
higher plateaus in the things of the Spirit is all but gone. Church, may that not be, right? That we seek the work of God, the things of the Holy Spirit. And the wind of the Spirit blew right here on this platform. <laughs> ah, I'll get it. I'll get it. I'm there. We have imitated the world, sought popular favor, manufactured delights to substitute for the joy of the Lord and produced a cheap and synthetic power to substitute for the power of the Holy Ghost. I believe he says, Chan says, that the Spirit is more obviously active in places where people are desperate for Him, humbled before Him, and not distracted by their pursuit of wealth or comfort like we are. I'm going to tell you a quick story that illustrates this truth. About 20 years ago, as you may know, I was a youth pastor for 20 years. About 20 years ago, uh, I was leading a team of 40 high school seniors uh, down on a missions trip to Honduras. We flew into Tegucigalpa and uh, met with a, a group there with Samaritan's Purse International and the, the group that does the shoeboxes. And they were going to take us to a village. The leader of the, kind of our guide, was going to take us to a village up in the mountains of Honduras, up in an area that is called Coffee Country. We were going to this little village called Quebrada Maria. Quebrada Maria. And we, were, we had this school bus, and we had 40 high school kids in all of our gear, and we got up this particular morning ready to... We had a guide that knew where the village was. This village had never had a group up there before. But it, we were up for it. Sounds great. Let's go up there. We had a doctor with us. We were going to do a clinic, work on some... Do some, some construction, some evangelism. We were going to go up to this village. And they said it was a ways up there. Well... We made the decision that morning to go ahead instead of trying to cram 40 high school kids plus all our luggage in a school bus that we were going to uh, try to rent a pickup truck for our luggage. And so our, our, the guy in charge of the trip literally went out on the street that morning at about 8 o'clock and hailed a truck, a flatbed truck, and said, would you take us to the mountains for four days with our luggage? And the guy was like, yeah, sure. So, all right. So... We threw our luggage in the back of, the, of his flatbed. The rest of us loaded into the bus and off we went. But here's the kind of the caveat. The guy that was with us, that was our guide, we had the man that knew where the village was, but the guy was Samaritan's Purse. His name was Brother Ruben Guerrero. He said, let me stay back because I need, we need to go and buy medicine for the clinics we're going to do. Therefore, the doctor's going to stay with me and uh, one of our other leaders that can help with the luggage. So you guys go on up, and we'll just follow you up later in the day. Great, no problem. So I loaded in the bus with all of us, and Mark, Dr. Mark and Brother Reuben and Tony went off to do their thing. Well, it turns out it was a little further than they thought. We drove for 12 hours in a school bus into the middle of nowhere. 12 hours. We get there that night about 9, 9.30. We drive in. There are hundreds of people up there in this gathering. And they had a little mud hut church that was 
like surrounded by hundreds of people, filled to the gills. Word got out that we are com- we're coming. They'd never had a group up there before. They came from everywhere, walking hours. There were three pastors that brought their village congregations, and we did church for the next three hours. We got out after midnight. And as I, I'll never forget it. And by the way, Dr. Mark, Brother Reuben, and Tony aren't there yet. They're on their way. But I'm talking to these three pastors, three local village pastors, and they begin telling me stories of what God has been doing up in those mountains. I'm going to tell you it was nothing short of the sick being raised, the lame being healed, and the dead being raised to life. I'm not kidding. As they're telling me this, someone comes up to me and said, Hey, pa- hey Jody, Jay, who was our executive pastor's son, Jay Williford, they said, Jay's not feeling well. In fact, he's not good at all. This is like 12.30 midnight. I go outside of the hut that I'm just talking to these pastors with. I go out and Jay is leaning up against the side of the hut in the darkness. His gut clenched over, rocking and writhing in intense pain. Oh boy. So... These three pastors kind of come out. They see what's going on. They take him and me, and we get into the school bus, in the front of the school bus, and we began to pray and pray and pray. Now, I'm going to ask you, what do you think I was praying for? I'm going to tell you. I wasn't praying for God to show up. I was praying for Dr. Mark to show up. Wouldn't you? This guy was a Harvard grad. He'd been on dozens of missions trips. I was praying, God, get Mark up here. God, we need Mark. God, where's Mark? And these three pastors, I want you to understand this, they've never had a doctor in this village ever. Were they praying for Dr. Mark to show up? Who are they praying to show up? God. And I'm going to tell you for the next two hours, they called on God in a way that I have never experienced before. Remember what I told you about the kinds of things they were seeing in that culture, in that place? They were praying for God to show up. And I'm just going to tell you, God showed up. Mark eventually, yeah, Mark eventually got there. Jay just began to quiet down. And settle down. Mark ended up getting there with Reuben and Tony at 3 a.m. And by the time they got there, Jay is laying there as peaceful as can be. Mark came in and hooked him up to an IV, just precautionary. Jay was out digging a toilet the next morning at 8 a.m. He was completely healed. And I'm going to tell you what, God showed up. Why do I tell you that story? Because I think it reinforces what... Francis Chan says, I believe that the Spirit is more obviously active in places where people are desperate for Him, humbled before Him, not distracted by the pursuits of wealth and comfort. It's a lesson that I have never forgotten. Church, we need to be praying for God to show up. Turn with me, amen. Turn with me to John 14 real quick. I just want to read this for you. Jesus said this, John 14. This is in the upper room. This is right before he went to heaven. Well, the night before the cross and then 
After that, he went to heaven. Do not let your hearts be troubled, he said. You believe in God. You believe in God. Now believe in me. What he's saying is, you're not going to have me with you anymore, but it's going to be okay. He's saying, I need to move you past good religion to the work of the Spirit in your lives. My father's house has many rooms. If that weren't so, I would have told you, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. If I go, I'm going to come back. I'm going to take you to be with me that you may be where I am. You know the place where I'm going. Thomas spoke up and said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's saying, it's good that I go. I will be your high priest. I will watch over you and, 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 and be there for you in heaven. If you really know me, you'll know my Father as well. From now on, you do know Him. You have seen Him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. That will be enough. Jesus said, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been with you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is, get this, what? Get this, in me. The Father is in me. The words I say to you, I don't speak on my own authority. Rather, the Father living in me is saying it, doing the work. Believe in me. When I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of all that I've done, truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do works, the works that I've been doing, they will do even greater things than these. Church, this is, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. This is tapping in to what God can do. And I'll do even greater things when you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me anything and I'll do it. If you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the Father and He will give you another advocate to help and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world can't accept Him. They don't See Him or know Him, but you know Him, for He lives with you and will be in you. Amen. Church, this is, this is for us. This is what God wants for us. Jesus wanted His disciples to know three things here. First of all, Jesus was going to prepare a place for us. Second of all, He was going to be with the Father and that even from there, He would hear their prayers. And thirdly, He gave the disciples the ultimate reassurance. Another comforter would come. This is for us. This is God's promise to us. Again, what Francis Chan said, we need to begin afresh by re-examining our preconceived ideas about the Holy Spirit and what it means to be a temple of the Holy Spirit. There's much more to God and following in the way of Jesus than getting a bunch of talented people together to hold a church service. Wow. It's the work of the Spirit in our lives. That we, each and every one of us, are temples of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 3. You realize, don't you, 
that you are the temple of God and God Himself is present in you when you believe, when you're born again? Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? And yet as we talk about this, as, as we're going to be looking for these next, through, through these next seven weeks at the work of the Spirit in our lives, I, I know that so many have this question, how can the Holy Spirit do this? How does this work? How can the Holy Spirit be in every person? And I want to ask you a question to follow up this question. How big do you think God is? How big is He? Is He bigger than the galaxies? Honestly, is God bigger than the galaxies? Is He bigger than the earth? Talks about in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, that the, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Do you get that? The Spirit of God literally hovering over the waters of the earth. How big is God? Huh. I want to use this metaphor. It's the metaphor of a, of a woman that's pregnant with a child. Oh, and by the way, speaking of this, uh, Mitch and Emma Benedict, they're over at the hospital right now. She's walking the halls to try to get a baby to come out. So uh, let's pray for the Benedicts, yes. Folks over in the sanctuary. So uh, anyway, that's exciting. But back to this metaphor. To me, this really helps. I want you to think about that baby inside the womb. Think about that womb kind of being a little kingdom, a world. That world is all that that baby knows for nine months, all right? Now, outside of that kingdom of the womb exists what? A whole nother kingdom that's far larger, far more bright and beautiful and glorious with all kinds of amazing things outside. Now, how close to that baby's head is the kingdom of the of the world how close is it well you understand my question kind of proximity wise like inches right isn't the kingdom of the world inches away from that baby's head right but yet does that baby understand that kingdom yet no because all it knows is the kingdom using that language, that it is in. So to make the parallel, this earth that we live on, this world that God has created, is like a kingdom, and yet I come back to my original question, how big is God? So much vaster and larger than the kingdom we are in. Where is God in comparison to our kingdom? I'm going to tell you right now, He is right next to to us. Get that. That God is right beside us. The Holy Spirit, church, the Holy Spirit is all around us and right beside us. Just like that child is in that womb, but it is 
right next to a whole nother kingdom. And the Holy Spirit longs to enter our hearts. And yet, the only place the Holy Spirit won't go kind of without permission, if you will, is into the human heart. We must open the door and allow the Spirit to come in. The invitation today is simple. Open your heart to the Holy Spirit. Know that He is right here beside us. That He is awesome. Awesome in power. Awesome in might. That with Him, with the Holy Spirit living in us, what did Jesus say? <laughs> There's so much more that you can do with the Spirit living in you. What do we have to do, folks? we got to throw up the wind of the sail and catch the Spirit. I'm going to ask you to pray with me. Jesus, oh Jesus, there you are at the right hand of the Father, seated in glory, and you told us that it is good that you went to be with your Father because you would send us, have sent us your Spirit. And yet, Lord God, we see these statistics, millions and millions of people claiming to be Christians and yet no experience whatsoever of the Holy Spirit. We feel like we're sitting in this rowboat, feeling like we've got to do it all ourselves. Lord, right now, might we just hoist the sail? Open up our heart. Holy Spirit of God, blow. Blow into our hearts. <laughs> Fill us with your power, with your life, with your fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this morning's message. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to contact us using our online form on our website at kingstreetchurch.com or by calling us here at 717-264-4651 during our regular business hours. Be sure to stop by and see us in person at one of our five Sunday morning services, 8.15 a.m., 2 at 9.45 a.m., as well as 2 at 11 a.m. We look forward to seeing you there.